Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift of this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us now, that you would focus our hearts and minds upon you. Lord, that you would still the storms within our hearts, Lord, and that you would speak to us today. Place your word in our hearts, Lord, and place it upon our lips that we might faithfully proclaim it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. Morning. It is so good to see you all today. Well, aren't babies cute? Right? I mean, seriously. I mean, you can't help but see a baby and go, aww. They're just their chubby little cheeks and their cute little lips and then, you know, the way they sleep lots of the time. They're especially cute when they're sleeping. Right? And then you smell them. You smell their head and that, like, clean baby smell. Isn't it, isn't it precious? Right? You know, you want to just take care of them and watch over them and make sure they're safe. I mean, you just want to because they're so adorable, and, except for in the middle of the night, right? But like most of the time, you just want to hold them and care for them. You know, and if it's happened once, it's happened a hundred times. Yeah, you're out there shopping on the banks of the Nile and you get like a baguette or two and some olives. And then you put down your baby basket in the river with the crocodiles and you walk off and you forget all about it, right? This can happen to anybody. Does it really happen a lot? No, it's happened once, right? We know of. And not for those reasons, right? Moses' mom was not out shopping for things. You know, getting her like a little pyramid, souvenirs and things like that. She was, uh, she had come to a point in her life where it seemed like her only option was to put her child in a crocodile infested river. And you know you've gone a long way down that road before you get to that point, right? So what in the world would bring this mother to a place where she would feel like that was an okay option? Well, our passage begins with the line, Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Who was Joseph? That's right, he had the second color dream coat. That's right, you, you probably know many songs about him. Um, what else? What else did Joseph do? Yeah, and what else? He was Pharaoh's number two man, right? He was uh, the second in command over the land of Egypt. He was an interpreter of dreams, right? And he understood that Pharaoh's dream about the seven, the seven things devouring seven other things meant seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. That's right. And so he had provided for Egypt during those years according to the prophecy that the Lord had given him. And he had blessed, protected, and enriched Egypt during those seven years of famine. Because people would come to Egypt needing food, and what would they bring with them to trade for food? Gold, right? So Egypt was just rolling in cash, right? Things were great, and God had provided for them and protected them. And, uh, and Joseph had brought his family down to live with him in Egypt to be safe. And so they had settled in the land of Goshen, and they were watched over by God. And they grew, and they multiplied. And this started to freak out Pharaoh, right? Because this Pharaoh didn't know Joseph. He just knew he had this people group in his nation who stayed kind of to themselves and who were growing and flourishing. And he became afraid that if this group 
Uh, if another foreign nation came to attack, this group would turn against him and would take him out. And so Pharaoh thought, I've got to be shrewd with these people because otherwise it will be the end of me. And was he right? Was it the end of him? Yes. Yeah, if you know the end of the story, it ultimately happened to be the end of him. Um, but he kind of you know, made his own bed is the problem. All right, so... Uh, Pharaoh begins to make the life of the Jews difficult. He puts them in a hopeless situation. They become oppressed under his hand of slavery. Our passage says, Therefore they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. The work was crushing. But all the while, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. So now not only is Pharaoh freaked out by the Israelites, but all the Egyptians are afraid of them because they can see that they are just flourishing. Then Pharaoh sinks to an even deeper level. He says to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah and the other Puah, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew woman and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. That's right. And do you think these midwives listened to Pharaoh? No, they didn't. Thank goodness, right? Thank goodness there was a long tradition of not listening to him because they just keep on doing what they're doing. Right? They just keep doing what they're doing. And so when they are called back by Pharaoh to report on why there hasn't been a population decline among the Hebrew boys, they say to him, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So what are they in fact doing, saying to him? They're lying and also insulting the Egyptian women, right, and, and Pharaoh himself, because they're like, ah, oh, you know, our Hebrew women are tough, right? They just, like, sneeze, babies pop out, you know, but you Egyptian women, you need a lot of help in the process, right? No, the Hebrew women, they have it all taken care of, no problem. Pharaoh, though, is determined to wipe out the Hebrews, and so he commands his people, saying, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now remember, he's saying to this to the group of people who are now afraid of the Hebrews. And when you combine fear with power, the results are dangerous, aren't they? I mean, we've never seen it in our world, right? But fear and power, that is a dangerous combination. And that is what was happening in Egypt at that time. And into this dark moment, a baby is born, a Hebrew boy, to a husband and wife from the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe. His mother hides him for three months. Can you imagine what this was like? Every time that baby cried, what do you think she felt? Her heart just dropping, sinking, listening for footsteps outside listening for the rattle of armor or whatever happened to be out there. Every time the baby giggled, what do you think she felt? Terrified, right? She couldn't rejoice at the life of this child because the baby just being alive 
was a danger. She was in a terrifying place, and yet she cared for this baby and raised him and watched over him for three long months. But at the end of those three months, she feels that she cannot hide him any longer, and so she takes a basket and covers it in bitumen and pitch so that it'll float, and she places her son in the water in the Nile, full of crocodiles and big old hunk and Nile perch and things like that, right? It is not a safe river. She puts him there on the banks of the river in the rushes, lays her baby there, hopeless. I mean, that is a sign that you have lost all hope when you're willing to leave your baby like that. And yet she had one little glimmer of hope in her, right? And that was that God would somehow deliver this child. That had to be there in the back of her head. Her hope that somehow God would provide a way. She felt that there was no other way for her to do it, but maybe God could intervene. And did he? Oh, yes, he did. God did not fail to intervene. He took this son and he protected him. And he did this by bringing Pharaoh's daughter to the river that day. How amazing is that? Right, of all the ways God could have preserved this baby, he brings Pharaoh's daughter to the river that day. The daughter to the one who had issued the command to kill all the Hebrew boys. And she comes to that very place where that baby is lying in a basket in the rushes. And she sees the child. And God softens her heart. And she adopts him. She adopts the child. She doesn't listen to her dad and just tunk over the basket. She doesn't listen to her dad and turn the baby over to the authorities. Instead, God has softened her heart so that when she sees this crying baby boy, she adopts it. And in God's remarkable provision, the baby's sister is there and sees the adoption happen and volunteers to find someone, someone, right? Someone to nurse and care for the baby. And so who is the baby then returned to? His own mother. And not only returned to him, but now safe and secure because no longer is it her child that she has to fear will be taken from her. But this is Pharaoh's daughter's child. Protected, safe. And now she's getting paid to nurse the baby too, right? You've got a side benefit too. This is not bad at all. Now, I don't encourage this policy of like leaving babies in rushes and things like that. Like That's not a good idea at all. But God took a hopeless situation and brought hope. And isn't that what God does? He takes hopeless situations and brings hope. He used the weakness and hopelessness of this moment to bring about hope because this Moses, who was named by Pharaoh's daughter, named after the situation because she drew him out of the water, which is what Moses sounds like, this poor child who was left in the river went on to become the leader of the Jews, the one who, through God, delivered them from slavery and brought them into freedom. And he was raised in Pharaoh's own household so close to the danger that he was safe from it. God knows a thing or two about weakness and hopelessness. Remember, he sent his son Jesus in weakness to us. 
a baby born of a young girl who had to flee to Egypt because there was a king who was killing all the firstborn sons in Egypt or in Israel as well. He had to go to Egypt and then was brought back out of Egypt. God did this with his own son, Jesus Christ, as well. And this child would grow to be the one who in strength took the cross upon his shoulders and our sin with it and died. Yet the grave could not hold him and he he burst forth and desires to lead us into freedom. In our weakness and in our hopelessness, let us turn to this Savior, Jesus Christ, and receive his gift of grace and mercy that he may draw us out of the water as well and provide a home for us, provide security for us, provide identity for us, that he might give us a new name, a name of hope and purpose, that we might serve him faithfully and joyfully in this world. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you preserved the life of baby Moses, Lord, that you were watching out for him, and that even in the midst of a hopeless situation, that you in your grace provided for that child. Help us, Lord, to believe and trust that when we run to the end of our hope, Lord, when it's all run out and we've spent every last bit of it, Lord, that there you are, ready to provide new hope for us, ready to rescue us, Lord, and set us free. Thank you, Lord God, for Moses, that you preserved his life and that you used him as an instrument of your deliverance. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, who sets us free through his blood. Help us to trust in him, Lord, to believe that this this message is true, to receive this hope, Lord, even when we're hopeless. And we pray that in our weakness, you would make us strong. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.